Can you hear me? There we are. It's good the school are redecorating our hall for us, isn't it? We want them to build a bigger one, um, which they did, and then they haven't let us use it yet, but uh, they must be preparing it very well for us. Um, but uh, it's great to, to be here. Um, and if you've got a device or a Bible or whatever, we're going to be looking at the Psalms. You'll probably be here, pleased to hear that we're not looking at all the Psalms. Um, uh, I've just seen Leslie Newman here. This is your last Sunday before you go back to America, isn't it? Ah, it is, it is great having you here. We, we feel like you've had a very long holiday. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Neil and Leslie, part of Jubilee, but they're in America at the minute working. For a couple of years, but it's great to have you here over here. It's good to have you here, and we look forward to seeing you again at Christmas. Are you around at Christmas again, or are you? You're not. Oh, don't they? All oh, right, okay. Yeah, you don't want to travel here on Christmas Day. Well, we look forward to seeing you when we see you next. Right. Well, we'll see you next summer. We look forward to that. But it's good to see you here. Sorry, I got a little distracted there because I just saw... Sorry for everybody else. Anyway, <clears throat> you, you never know what's around the corner, do you? Do you ever know what's around the corner? You never know what's around the corner. We had a few days off this week and uh, uh, as like a pre-holiday to our holiday. It's like a hors d'oeuvres, if you like. And we went canoeing with the Rice family down the River Hay and... Uh, uh, we, we, in Wales, we, we, we thought that as Paula and Adrian aren't campers, that we would really uh, do something fun and make them wild camp, which is even more extreme than the camping we do at the woods weekend. Uh, and so we put them into the canoes and uh, put all of our belongings into these barrels, uh, very small tents, very few belongings. Um, all sorts of uh, food and different things for our adventure, and set off down the River Hay, uh, uh, River Y even, um, with Hay, uh, and <laughs> at Hay on Y. We started at Hay on Y, with Hay, on the River Y. It was getting very complicated. I needed a holiday. Um, and we set off on this wonderful adventure. Beautiful place for those of you who have uh, been there. It's a wonderful river. And we went 20 miles down this river paddling. And uh, it was a wonderful adventure. But you never knew what was coming around the corner. You sort of be, you knew, we knew where we were going to end up, hopefully, if we didn't lose anybody. Um, a few did fall in, but that was another whole story. Um, but we knew where we were going to, but we never knew what was around the next corner. And you'd be going paddling along this little sort of quiet little bit, and then suddenly it would get faster, the water, and sometimes there'd be rocks that you had to navigate, and sometimes there was, uh, you just found yourself navigating wrongly and feeling stranded, you know, having to get out of the thing and paddle out to the deep water again. Um, but you never know what was around the corner. We, we, we didn't, you couldn't see around the corner, uh, but you knew the direction that we were travelling in. There were easier bits, there were harder bits, there were hazards to avoid, there were, the scenery kept changing. It was a beautiful, beautiful few days. We had a really good time together. It was really great fun and a real switch off, which was fabulous and what we uh, wanted 
But as I was th- reflecting on it, I thought, isn't it interesting? Life's a bit like that, isn't it? You never quite know what's going around the corner. You know the destination, ultimately, that we're going to be in, but you never quite know what's around the corner. And I suppose the older I've got, um, not that I am old, but I am getting older, um, there are different seasons, aren't there, in life? Different times that we go through in life. I've known different seasons in my life. I've known summertime when all is good and all the fun is happening. I've known autumn times as well, where things begin to change, the colour changes, the uh, still can be very colourful, but you know something's changing. I've known winter times when it's dark and cold. But then you also know those times where spring is coming. don't quite know when it's turning from winter to spring, but you see the flowers popping up and you see new shoots emerging and colour coming and springtime being there once more. And over the summer term, we wanted to, over this summertime, we wanted to look into the book of Psalms because the Psalms are all about life and all about different seasons in life. And the wonderful thing about the book of Psalms is that Psalms are for every season that you're in. Whether you're in a good season, a tough season, a challenging season, whatever season you're in, there's a Psalm for you. That's the nature of Psalms. It's a wonderful, wonderful book that I'd encourage everyone to read every day, really. Those who are newer to the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, and I suppose it's like the Bible's prayer book or song book. Uh, It's quite a long book in the middle of the Old Testament, um, and it's really worth reading and getting uh, an understanding of. Read it every day if you can. They're full of passion and emotion and reality and praise and prayer and worship and pleading and moaning and misery and joy and celebration and splendor and thanksgiving and faith and doubt and dance and wisdom and God. And I wish I had a comma in that sentence because they're full of life and they're real. They are full of reality. They're full of all sorts of stuff. They're really relevant for every season of the soul. They're packed with life. That's why we love them and read them. And so today I want to just give a little introduction and then different people are going to look at different psalms over these next few weeks uh, as we run up uh, to West Point. And if you look at the, the, the commentaries and the books that scholars have written, they, although all the psalms are unique, if you like, there is certain categories of psalms that the scholars would like to sort of find. And... Uh, I just thought it would be helpful just to orientate you to that just a little bit, and then we're going to look at three particularly this morning. So there are seven categories most of the scholars will end up sort of coming to. There are psalms of confidence, where the psalmist expresses their trust in God with sort of a striking central metaphor often. Psalm 23, do you know that one? The Lord is my shepherd, a great example A wonderful psalm that we can read. We're confident about God. It's a psalm of confidence. But there are psalms also about kingship, if you look at them. Different category of psalms. And the king plays a a a huge role in the psalms. Both God as king, Psalm 47, 93, 96, 100, if you're taking notes. But also about human kings, 2, 20, 21. And those psalms that are around the king... Uh, and has a king as a major focus, we call kingship psalms. There's a number of them through the book of Psalms. Then there are psalms of, that the scholars call psalms of remembrance. Sort of history is alluded to them by the Psalter, or the writer of the psalms. They're not specific events 
in the present, but God's great acts of salvation are communicated through a psalm. We may they sort of pinpoint God's sort of salvation purposes through history, and we might call them psalms of remembrance. We're remembering the God's goodness to His people over the time. Fourth category is psalms of wisdom. Some of the psalms sort of feel a little bit like the wisdom books in the Old Testament. The books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Those books are called the wisdom books in the Old Testament. And some of the psalms are like that, another category of psalms. But most common types of psalms are in three other categories. Praise and lament and thanksgiving. And I want to just touch on those categories this morning, and then we're going to look at some of them over the summer time. So a psalm of praise is a song of pure delight. You read one of those ones, Psalms like 29, 47, 96, 98, 46 to 50, this whole section. They're psalms of utter praise and delight that we sing when our relationship with God is untroubled. They're those moments in life where we're just delighting in God, where everything is good, where we just praise him, where he is full. Our hearts are full of delight and adoration of him. But there are also psalms of lament, it's called, psalms that are different sort of psalms. They're prayers that we offer to God when perhaps we're hurting when we feel upset with ourselves or betrayed by others or even abandoned by God. If you look at Psalm 3 or 13 or 22 or 77. And they're really real. And they're important to be in the book of Psalms. Interestingly, except for Psalm 88, and I don't know why that is an exception, but we're not going to go there. Um, All of the Psalms that are around lament... In the end, turn to God. And although they communicate often very difficult things, they turn at the end towards praise and trust in God. And you read them and you see that they begin with a sort of negative state of mind, but in the end they direct our minds towards ultimately its only hope, which is found in God. And so there are a particular sort of Literature, a particular sort of form of writing that are very interesting for us to reflect on. I'm going to reflect on them a little bit more. And then there's a category of psalms, which are psalms of thanksgiving. And it's a sort of the third major category of psalms. They're, they're like the praise songs in celebrating God, but their thanksgiving hinges around a response to an earlier lament or prayer. So we have had a difficult time, but we now come with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. So these are the three main categories that you read in Psalms. Psalms of praise, lament, and thanksgiving, uh, as you're looking through the book of Psalms. One of the scholars, uh, one of the leading sort of Old Testament scholars, a guy called Walter Brueggemann, um, has used three words to describe these that I found so helpful when I first came upon them. Upon them. He He said that basically these sorts of psalms, psalms of praise, lament, and thanksgiving, they all basically depict three experiences we face as human beings in relation to God. He describes 
the three categories of psalms, praise, lament, and thanksgiving, using three words, orientation, disorientation, and then reorientation. A really helpful way of getting our heads around it, or getting my head around it. found this graphic this week that sort of tries to sum it up a little bit. We have times where we praise the Lord, God saved me and made me strong. There are times of orientation. But then life happens sometimes, and we cry out to God. It's confusing. Why is life not working as I thought it might? And then we turn eventually to a place of reorientation where we end up, in the end, praising God. God helps the weak. He helps us in our difficulties. So there's this little sort of root that happens, a orientation, a disorientation, and a reorientation that I want to just spend a little bit of time looking at because it might help us as we go through different seasons of life. So Psalms of Orientation, they speak of often of things like creation, of wisdom, the favour of God. An example would be Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and son of man that you would care for him? It's a psalm of orientation, of praise. We see David, who wrote this one, totally orientated towards God. He's thinking clearly. He's full of worship and wonder at God in light of his creation. He not only knows who the maker is, but he knows the maker himself. You get that feel in the psalm. And he knows his maker knows him too. Everything's right. Everything's good. He's at peace in this beautiful world. Knowing that he's not just part of creation in general, but he's there uniquely belonging to God. It's the good times and he's humbled by it. He's humbled as he reflects on the stars and the sky and the wonder around him. The reality of that, and and worship just pours out of his mouth. He's utterly impressed with God. Have you had times like that in your life where you're just overwhelmed by God and his magnificence, his beauty, his splendor? As we were paddling down this river, there was moments when the sun came out. Well, there was moments when it wasn't out and it was pouring rain as well. But there's moments where you think, God made this. Isn't it just marvellous? I don't know if you felt that way. Just think for a moment about, about it. Where was it? Where were you? Were you on a treat? Were you in your living room? Was it yesterday? Was it five years ago? How did you feel in those moments? It's wonderful, isn't it? Psalms of praise help us. Find the psalms of praise and they help us. Our souls just reach out to God. All is good with my soul. Those are times of life to celebrate, aren't they? I love them. If you don't, you know, be good to talk because there's something wrong in your soul. We all want them, don't we? We all want them. Often, I love walking around French and Little Pond. That's my place. I spend most of my time praying there if I'm not with all the kids and family and stuff. I love just wandering around. I've worked out it's much better to pray with your eyes open, though. I just keep banging into the trees, but 
I'm walking into the lake, but that's my place where I just look around. I think, how, how can you believe? How can anyone believe this all happened by chance? There must be a hand behind all this. It's wonderful. That's the praise psalms. And they're worth re- reading, reflecting on, getting in your souls because they do something to our souls as we praise God as we look at that. But ultimately, remaining orientated towards God is, isn't our only experience as, Christmas, as Christians, is it? Like one day it will be when we're in glory. But in this world and through life, there are times when things aren't all good, aren't all going well. Rather, sort of not unlike the characters we read about in the Old Testament, sometimes we go through extended seasons feeling totally disorientated in our relationship with God. I think it's real to say that, isn't it? Most people would say that. Or we might feel totally disorientated with ourselves or the world around us. Sometimes things aren't marvellous. Sometimes it's a challenge. And that's where psalms of lament are so helpful. And it's really cool that they're in the Bible. During times of disorientation... Those are, those are the times when we really get a better grip on what it means to walk by faith and not by sight, don't they? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. To believe in God despite feeling or not feeling or experiencing his presence gives the word faith a bit more grit, doesn't it? When we have faith, even though it's hard, that's when faith really is tested, isn't it? And I think everybody goes through seasons of disorientation in life where just, things just don't make sense. Things might just seem to be falling apart at work or at home or in relationships. And when we're left in the thick of it, we end up with full of questions and doubts, don't we? That's where the Psalms of laments come in. In these times, I think it's good to reach for the Psalms of lament. Psalms of disorientation... Some of them are corporate, some of them are personal. The corporate ones were sung as a community together. They would be lamenting together. There are times when laments can be used corporately to express our collective thoughts. I remember once we had a friend of mine, Mervyn Thomas, who runs Christian Solidarity worldwide, and it's a sort of charity that particularly helps those who are persecuted around the world as Christians, persecuted, not just as Christians, but persecuted for their faith. Uh, and I knew Merv would come and tell some quite harrowing stories of people who have it much less fortunate than we do and are trying to live out their faith but, uh, uh, and be obedient to Jesus, but with all sorts of consequences that we don't face in this country. And I, I just thought, how do you respond to a message like that? How do you respond to tragedy and difficulty and hard times that people are facing. And then I thought, do you know what? We, want, we, should, do, we should lament about what is going on. And it was a while ago, I asked Paula Oakley, who was one of our worship leaders at that time, whether, whether she'd be up for, for writing a lament. And she said, well, what is a lament? <laughs> and so we looked at what laments were and how they're structured and how they are written in the book of Psalms. And she wrote a a, a lament and sang it uh, and 
at the end of this message where Merv had spoken. And do you know what? God's presence was there. In that moment when we collectively cried out to God, why are our brothers and sisters around the world suffering in this way? In fact, it was such a powerful time. He asked them to go and do, sing it at their big international conference a few weeks later. Uh, it became like a, a, a theme for their conference, this powerful lament. Because there are times where corporately we want to say, God, why is it like this, don't we? Why is this suffering happening? Why? And we cry out to God in reality. We don't, we don't just sort of deny bad things are happening. We cry out in reality. We take this form of lament in the Psalms and use it. But laments also can be used personally, I think. They're really helpful psalms for us to look at. You'll be really pleased when we get to the thanksgiving and praise ones, won't you? Because I got the lament one. But uh, do you know what? They're powerful things. I think laments can be really helpful for us personally. They're honest words. You read them. They're, they're more honest than a lot of sermons are. <laughs> They're honest, they're full of anger and hurt and depression and despair and deep questioning about God's purposes. Example would be Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's fairly desperate, isn't it? It's a desperate reality of where he was in that moment. And feeling disorientated can go on for hours or days or weeks. Sometimes it can go even on for longer. But there's a reality about it. In their book uh, about raising two autistic kids, Andrew and Rachel Wilson, some of you may know, he's speaking up at New Day, I think, this week, talk about, le- talk about learning to lament. And they talk about how they use psalms as a tool to help them express their deepest grief and anger and despair when they found their two lads were autistic. And it's a fascinating look at how you can use lament as a tool through those difficult and challenging times. And in their little book, they they make the case that it's okay to lament, which is really helpful, actually. See, the psalmist did it. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He pleaded for the cup of suffering would be taken from him. Jesus lamented at moments. See, lament is allowed. But the Wilsons go on to suggest that actually it's not just allowed, it can be a gift. And I'd never seen this before. In the Psalms of lament, everything is just like awful. That's the sort of theme of them. They just ev- the wor- everything is awful. The writers might say things, you know, everyone's trying to kill me. Probably not everyone was trying to kill them, but it felt like everyone's trying to kill me. Well, I wish I'd never been born, it says. No, I wish I'd never been conceived. I mean, that's even, you know, I don't quite. But they're bleak. They're, they're awful, some of them. They look at the world around and they see it's bleak and black and bad. And they want to say something about it. The language is raw. It's real. You read the Psalms of lament. And sometimes, as, as, as a sort of buttoned-up Brit, we might want to sort of say, hey, look, calm down a little bit. <laughs> Get a grip, have a cup of tea. 
everything is going to be all right when you read some of those psalms. <laughs> well, they, I do anyway. The excessive emotion in some of the laments can even make us feel a little bit uncomfortable and want to pull away. Should we really speak to God like that? <laughs> These are big things you're saying to the creator of the universe here. <laughs> and yet this honest outpouring of how we feel to God, do you know what? I read this a couple of weeks ago and it just I thought, this is brilliant. Sometimes it can be really a sign of maturity. I'd never seen this. Andrew Wilson, he's a hero. Actually, an honest outpouring of the reality of the world around us can be a sign of maturity. I said, what does that mean? How, how, how's that then? But think about it. To sort of rile against God, you have to have a few things in place, actually. First of all, you, you have to be confident, don't you? It may only be a British thing, but my observation is that we're often only able to really let our feelings show when we feel safe and secure. You know, we'll cry privately in our home, but not publicly. We may sob on the shoulder of a spouse or a best friend, but we try our hardest not to do that with other people. I think, pri- I think primarily the reason is we're hesitant to l- lament before God is that we're we're afraid he's going to tell us off or think less of us or some, something, I don't know. We think perhaps it shows a lack of faith. That if we were really godly, we'd sort of simply and serenely say, Thy will be done. And carry on rejoicing, even though life is difficult. I think we can have a slightly twisted view of it. But to reframe it a bit, to rage at God actually, in a sense, demonstrates a confidence that he's big enough to take it, actually. I thought, well, that's interesting. What's more, being angry at God or riling at God is also has it in his heart for us the sense that he, he isn't necessarily going to judge us or reject us for it when we're trying to express life as the reality of it is. See, in a sense, it demonstrates an absolute confidence in who he is and who we are before him when we're real before him. If we try and sanitize it all, I think we lose something. One of the consistent things on Alpha when I talk to, about people, talk to people about coming to faith, is that they want to they they, they, they be good enough before they give their life to Christ. <laughs> you think, well, that's like completely wrong. <laughs> you know, you give your life to Christ because you're not good enough. You don't try and be good enough and then become to faith. A lot of people don't come to church because they don't feel good enough. They feel that we'll just judge them. But do you know what? If we are... If we reframe it slightly, if we genuinely lament, if we're really real, it's saying God can take it. He's not going to like be fall off his throne if we're real. He's big enough to take it. But also, we can be, we can be angry because we, we know him. And we know that he loves us. Second word that they talk about, which I found interesting, is it's childlike. Laments are childlike. Sounds weird to say that childlikeness is a sign of maturity. But 
Isn't that what we're commanded to be, children? Wanting to come to God as adults is a sign of arrogance, actually, and a lack of humility. We come to God as children, don't we? Little children, Jesus said, look at these. They inherit the kingdom of God. And when we lament, in a sense, we revert to childlike ways. Not childish ways. Childlike ways. And perhaps that's good. Children's cry and wail that it's not fair and rage against injustice for what, getting what they want. They're totally honest about their feelings, aren't they, kids? They don't try and package it up in nice, polite ways. Or is it just our kids? Maybe it's just our kids. Maybe I'm just confessing something here that none of you have experienced who are parents. They get frustrated, don't they, when they don't understand, when they, then they let you know in no uncertain times why you've got it wrong. But when the shouting and the screaming and the kicking and the crying is over, eventually they relax into the comforting embrace of their parents, don't they? Even when they're the most naughtiest, we love them. And we want to embrace them. And we can take it, can't we, as parents? Third word they talk about is compassionate. Well, this is in- interesting about lament. And this picture is towards maturity. See, when we, when we have the capacity to lament, not only for ourselves, but for others, it's a sign of maturity, isn't it? Because it requires compassion. It's the kind of lament that weeps for those who are like sheep without a shepherd, isn't it? That's the sort of lament it is, where we look at our worries. This world needs a shepherd. They need Jesus. Our world needs justice. We, we feel compassion, don't we, for the world around us, for those who are lost. We feel compassion as we lament. We lament because we feel compassion. To feel another's pain so deeply that it causes us to forget ourselves and sob requires a deep love, really, doesn't it? And a compassion for others. Particularly when it's for someone outside of our immediate family and friends. And we see somebody just on the street, when we see somebody struggling, you know, we, we feel full of compassion, don't we? And we want to lament, why is it like this, God? Why is the world broken? We find ourselves then looking forward to that day when it won't be. We lament when we think about our country sometimes. I do sometimes when we think about refugees, war, all sorts of things. We, we lament, don't we? It's a form of worship, form of prayer. See, the prayer of lament is about disorientation. But they're not just a moan. They're not just an empty cry when you read them. As we study the Psalms, and with the exception of Psalm 88, they all end up, the laments, in the end, turning to God. It's not just a moan, an articulation of the bad. It finds itself somewhere. It begins with the reality of our negative state of mind, but then directs it towards its hope. And that's where we find reorientation. The Psalms of reorientation, as they're called. Thanks be to God that the, for the believer, 
disorientation, lament, is never the final word. Rather, over and over again, we see psalms of reorientation. Listen to the words of, words of Psalm uh, 73. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. This is like confessing. That's, that's how he's been towards God. And he's then saying, my soul was embittered. I was pricked in heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you, God. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right. Can we read this? That's so Juliet, we can read this. Well, you have to read it now because who would disagree with Juliet, eh? <laughs> Let's read it together. When my soul... Thank you, Juliet. You see that? He, he is, he's lamented. But something's turned. It's, he's reframed it. He's been really real. He's yelled and screamed. He felt like a beast. Towards, he'd obviously said some things that weren't so nice. Nevertheless, though... It turns to God at the end. These are psalms of reality. They're beautiful. They're worth reflecting on. Can you feel the joy in his soul as he emerges from the fog and gets the clarity again? Can you, you can captures it, doesn't it, in that psalm? Nevertheless. Always the more. Always the more. In whichever version that Juliet's got. <laughs> See, his heart and mind were filled with praise and gratitude that God came through in the end, God's got a way in the end of coming through. Just when things have got their darkest, God's grace can burst into the scene in brilliance light. These are the Psalms of orient, reorientation. Have you been there? Have you been in a dark place and then come out of it? What was it like for you? Did you who did you celebrate with when you came out of it? What kind of images come to mind? What language could you use to describe your experience of being reorientated to our Heavenly Father? It's worth writing psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of lament and psalms of reorientation. It can be a really useful thing to do just to write our own forms of psalms. I remember doing a psalms weekend with Phil Greenslade at Waverley and we wrote psalms through the afternoon the evening. had a communion service people bought their psalms powerful powerful thought through prayers really articulating different types of psalm and psalmody so I don't know where you are in your journey I don't know what's around the corner for you I don't know what season you're in perhaps today you feel orientated around God and who he is and what he's done and we just we just it's just a joy isn't it we've want to celebrate that that's the place we should be that place of Eden that place that we'll be in when his kingdom is fully realised that place 
of joy and happiness, peace, contentment. And if you're there, thank God for it. Thank him with all the psalms of thanksgiving. Because it's a good place to be. It's where we should be. But maybe today is another day that you need to walk in faith feeling fairly disorientated. It's worth pressing on. It's worth continuing to walk in faith, not just by sight. Even if you feel disorientated. Even if you're not personally in that place. It's good to reflect on how others might be. I was really struck hearing the team talk when they came back from the who cares thing that Steve did over in Aldershot. Some of the just stories. We asked people what hurt. It was, you made you want to lament one girl's father had died and of septicemia, and which she was very sad about. But what she wanted to talk to the team about was that after he died, she'd found that the reason he'd got septicemia was that he'd been stabbed. And she never knew that. And he hadn't told her about it. And she was, it was like a lament. She wanted to, she wasn't a Christian, but she wanted to do something with this. Other lady coming saying, what really hurts is when people judge my kids in the shop. We've just found he's autistic and people just look down on us when his behaviour isn't right. That's what hurts. So sometimes even us understanding about lament can help us connect with people, can't it? Who are going through hard, hard times. But today, if you are here and it's the hard time, the Psalms of lament might be useful. Because today might be the day when God reorientates your perspective as well and heart around his ferocious love for you. Whatever the case, do you know what? Our look into Psalms is going to be fun over these next few weeks, don't you think? Because they're rich with life. I just want to finish with this. I just, as I was praying, I just, I was reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Do you know that story? A lot of you will. It's a wonderful story about a son who, a happy family as it were, but a son who then wanted to go his own way and he says to his father, I would like my inheritance now. And the father agrees and the son wanders off, lives a life away from his father, ends up in a pigsty. You know the story. And it says he came to his senses. It's a bit like going from an orientated position to his life had become disorientated. He laments in that pigsty. And he says, even my father's servants live better than this. That was the moment of turn for him in his lament. He wasn't going to sit in it. He was going to say, nevertheless. And you know the story. He wanders back feeling bad, wondering what he's going to say to his dad. I'm sure he would have made all sorts of reasons why and tried to find the form of words to say to his father. And it's just wonderful when you read the passage. He looks up and then sees his father 
pull up his skirt. They wore skirts, you know, well, not skirts, you know, robe, tunic, whatever they're called, long things. Lifted it up and was running towards his son. Isn't that a picture of reorientation to the love of a father who, who just throws his arms around him? And you can see the son, you can imagine it, can't you? Look, Dad, I just need to explain, you know, I've, I've blown it, I've spent the, the inheritance, and I just want to come back as a servant. That's what he's got all planned to say. And his dad's saying, no, 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 no. No, here's a robe, here's a ring. We're going to have a party, kill the biggest, fattest flask. Flask? Fast. I can't speak. Must be time to finish. Calf. That's the word. And, and they have a party because he's back. And that's the heart of our father. When, he, when we rant at him, when we speak to him about the reality of our lives, he can cope with it. He's big enough. I wouldn't worship a God who couldn't cope with it, would you? <laughs> he can cope with it. We've got to have a right fear of God, but... Do you know what? We've got to be real. And in the end, he turns. It, our hearts turn. Nevertheless, I am going to. Does that make sense? Let's pray, shall we? Let's stand. Let's just take a moment just before we close our service just to reflect on these psalms, the psalms of praise, psalms of lament, psalms of thanksgiving. And if you're in a place of praise, praise God. It's where we all should be most of the time. Praising him for his wonder, his magnificence, his creation look at the stars in the sky what is it that you're mindful of me that you care for me there are moments in life where that is just where we're at and we thank you father for that we praise you but lord we recognize there are times when we want to lament where we want to cry out, where we want to be real about how we're feeling, about our confusion, our questions, even our doubts. And Lord, we are so grateful that we can bring those to you. Thank you that we don't have to be like those who don't know you, who, who can only moan and can only wallow. But we thank you that we can learn from the laments, that we can reframe We can be real, but we can reframe, reorientate our hearts and to say, but we thank you that you're with us. We can come to our senses like the prodigal and return to you. And we thank you that as we do that, you in your great love and forgiveness and compassion for us, receive us. And so, Father, we do want to pray for those, even in our own ranks, who are going through hard times. And we ask, Father, that you would be present with them. And that they would go on that journey of lament and end up in a place of thanksgiving.
I just, Father, ask for your grace to people in that. Help us in our groups to look out for one another. Help us in our friendships. Help us in our marriages. Help us in our families to encourage one another. We pray. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a lament in our own hearts for our nation, our friends, our, and that we would, we would corporately as a body lament about things that would displease you. Help us to learn more about that, Lord. Because we want to find you and we want to know you in all the seasons of our life. And we pray that we would be able to help others too on their journeys. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we're able to worship in this land in freedom. We thank you that we're not in a land where we could be arrested for having an act of worship like this. We thank you for that. We do cry out for you, for brothers and sisters around the world who that isn't the case for. And in our, all of our questions and all of our confusion about why you would allow that, Lord, we trust you and we say, be present with our brothers and sisters who are going through hard times. And Lord, we want to come with hearts that are full of thanksgiving for how we've known your grace and mercy to us. And so we do that in Jesus' name and for his glory and that we may see his kingdom advance in our neighbourhood and our town and our region, our land, our world, longing for that day when all things are made good. We pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you. We look forward to this adventure through the book of Psalms together over this next few weeks. And uh, if anything I've said has touched you over to somebody, then do feel free to talk to your growth group leaders or come and speak to me or Rick whilst I'm away. But uh, we do want to journey together with one another. But God bless you. You can go and pick your kids up and go and get a cup of tea in the dining room. And uh, we'll see you next week. Waiting